You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 169, covering Crossover and The Collaborator. Hi friends, it's us again. Hey peoples. Your fellow friends. You and I. Alan Matt. We're um we're almost at the end of season two already, which is yeah. weird. One more episode. Well, one more episode of for us. us. Two, two, two more, more episodes of them. Right. Um, actually, next week we're going to be doing um, our supplemental episode, which usually goes between seasons. But uh, yep. because we have our appearance at Emerald City coming up, we need a need a filler episode to to cover the time. So we'll be answering your mail. So uh, by the time you hear this, it's too late. We yes. asked you to send mail, and you you blew it. So. You better have. Good job. Because if you didn't send mail, we're going to find out. Yes, we, we will know. And then we'll find you. Yes, we got we got the best minds in the biz on it. Yes. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Our best minds are our combined dogs. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. So they're very dumb and they eat things. Our stupid, stupid dogs. That is that is the thing you and I have in common. We have yep. very dumb dogs. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's why we're. Although at uh, least yours never ate headphones mm, right before we were going to record. Nope that that has never happened. That is true. Eaten his way through every rock band instrument I ever owned. <laughs> maybe maybe his colon wants to play rock band. I maybe. I don't know. It's understandable. Sure, it's a great game for uh, dog organs. Dog colons. I I guess I don't my, know. My dog's colon loves to rock out to nine in the afternoon. <laughs> No, it's and, hungry, uh, like the hungry like the wolf. Yeah. So we mentioned a couple of weeks ago when the uh, original Klingons came back that uh, this would not be the only time the DS9 sort of um, tied into the original series. Yeah, we we got a we got a great uh, thing this week. Yeah, Matt, why don't you tell us about the episode called Crossover, where they say the word crossover in the episode about a thousand times. What's that name again? I forgot. <laughs> Take it away. Matt. Alright, so Kira and Julian, best road trip buddies ever, are on their way back from a diplomatic mission to New Bajor, the first Bajoran colony on the other side of the wormhole, when some kind of Star Trek thing breaks some other kind of Star <laughs> Trek thing, and then their runabout arrives in the Mirror Universe from that classic original series episode, Is There in Truth No Beauty? <laughs> Uh, it seems that this is the that this is the crossover that the title is referring to, which is kind of disappointing. I was really hoping to see Julian fight Batman. Anyway, they're surprised to find uh, quite a lot of things, actually. Firstly, uh, DS9 is still Terak Nor, a mining station orbiting Bajor and run by the Cardassian Klingon Alliance. Secondly, the station itself is run by a much more evil, much less fey Garrick and a much more hot, much, much more hot Intendant Kira. So while Garrick hauls Julian off to the mines where he can become filthy and be smacked around by evil Odo, Intendant Kira brings Major Kira up to her office where she can let us know what's been going on in the In There and Truth No Beauty verse since uh, well, the last we saw it. So back in the day, Spock with a beard was apparently convinced by our James T. Kirk to work for a more peaceful, less warlike federation. And he did! In fact, he did such an amazing job that the Terran Empire was completely unprepared and utterly wiped out by the Cardassian Klingon Alliance. Nice one, Spock. Your, uh, you tried award is in the mail. That bit of exposition out of the way, Intendant Kira goes about the job of trying to have sex with Major Kira. Sadly, Major Kira declines, but is allowed free run of the station, so, you know, that's a plus. 
She heads down to the mining section to find Julian making friends wherever he goes, specifically with the previously mentioned evil Odo, and the not evil but still pretty beat down, despite the fact that Keiko doesn't appear to exist in this universe, Miles O'Brien. Kira and Julian are able to discuss various escape plans, and then Kira heads up to what she hopes is Quark's bar to scare up a transporter. Quark looks to be able to help, but is then executed instead for attempting to help Terrans escape. That's probably for the best, this Quark doesn't even know what Latinum is, poor bastard. Next, Kira talks to evil Commander Sistigo, but he's no help either, because like all evil Siskos, he's completely fucking mental. <laughs> With no help coming from anywhere, Kira and Julian decide to try running the wormhole backwards, because that always works. In their defense, it's actually a pretty good plan, because seriously, that always works. So, during Intendant Kira's big I killed Quark party, not-so-evil O'Brien bl helps blow up a chunk of the mining up operation, and Julian helps blow up Odo. Everyone escapes, evil Sisko and O'Brien fleeing in the, in the Sisko ship to become pirates and maybe save their shitty universe, and Kira and Julian fleeing in their runabout to return home, home and be really uncomfortable around Odo from now on. Seriously, this guy is like one step away from being in the SS. Yeah, the fact that you distinguished evil Odo from regular Odo, I mean, they're still basically the same characters. He's the only one that's not really any different in the Mirror Universe. No. They just let he's... him do his job the way he's always wanted to. Yeah. Also, he gets to wear a sharp black uniform. Well, I mean, that's, uh, you know, say what you will about the Nazis, but the uniforms, you know. Mm -hmm. He does, uh... He does hit people more. I very rarely see Odo hit people. Uh, you know, he did that thing with the tentacle arm a couple of weeks ago. That's true. He grabs people. That's the difference. Yeah. I, I wonder, Odo grabs people. I wonder what mirror Odo's uh, other forms are, like mouse and cup in this world. Well, rat and, I assume, champagne flute? Goblet. <laughs> Something S along those lines. Skull with a hole in the top and two rubies jammed in the eye sockets? Well, you know, that would That's that would pretty be, evil. That would be in keeping with the Nazi vibe. Yeah. That's what Skeletor drunk out of, right? His own head? <laughs> no, it was a replica of his own head. So when he lifted it to his lips, it looked like he was kissing. Yes. Like kissing himself. You know, like how all people own cups that look like themselves. You do, right? Oh, sure, we all do. I've got like eight. <laughs> eight matte cups. Yes. One for every day of the week. Right. So this this was fun. This was like... Yeah, this, this, was, a, this was a great episode. Very, very much along the lines of the original series one. Yeah. Where everyone gets to, to camp it up and play, like, crazy, evil versions of themselves. That's the thing I love about the Mirror Universe so much, is it's the hammiest universe. Yep. And that's fine. Um, I will not hold it against this episode, because in and of itself, it's great. But the show will come back to this five times. Yeah. There are a total of five Mirror Universe episodes in DS9, and I'm going to grow to get sick of it. And I kind of remember that, and it's not mm -hmm. fair to hold that against this. It's kind of like... What we were saying about the the uh, Maquis, yeah, where it's not really fair to judge them based on the fact that we're sick of them because we haven't been sick of them yet. Here's the thing: we've talked about how DS9 doesn't really do most of the Trek cliches. Like it got a lot of the TNG stuff out of the way early, right? But um, the mirror it makes up for it in Mirror Universe episodes. The thing is, I think I feel like they're more comfortable playing around with original series stuff. I've said this before because. They're not really in the shadow of the original series the way Next Gen was. No, they're in the shadow of uh, TNG, and they pretty they pretty well uh, differentiated themselves from that. Yeah, very early on, I would very say. Very early. But uh, they get to play with stuff from the original series, like the the original Klingons and this, mm -hmm. and uh, I can think Tribbles. of at least like well, yeah. There's there's going to be that. There's going to be one other thing that I don't want to spoil yet. That's that's going to happen. That was from the original series. Like mm -hmm. they're 
they they seem more comfortable playing in that sandbox, which I like. Yes. Because, you know, I like feeling that we're all in one big universe and not like this is a whole separate unconnected thing. Yeah. The the idea of DS9 acknowledging its past right. as, of the original series, like as history, it's always been really cool to me. I love there's a there's a scene early on where, as you say, the exposition happens mm-hmm. where Kira explains to other Kira what happened. And she's like, you ever heard of a guy named Kirk? And Kira says, no. Why would I know about that? I like that. I'm I'm a Bajoran freedom fighter who just now like joined, you know, like a reputable government. Yeah. I wouldn't know about the Starfleet guy from 100 years ago. Well, and of course, Kirk never visited Bajor, so it never got ruined. <laughs> this is true. Unless we find out that he led, it was his fault that the occupation started. Well, and this brings me nicely to my good thing, which is, this is, I believe, the second time we followed up on something Kirk's done, and it's the second time we've seen that it's gone to absolute shit. Yep. The first time would be Khan. Mm-hmm. He left Khan, oh, everything's gonna be fine, and then we come back, nope, it's terrible. He, if he I were, thought he if, was rescuing the Mirror Universe, and <laughs> no. Nope. If... I wrote Trek novels. All I would want to do is books that followed up to the people he left behind and how the, and how he ruined things. Right. And and this is actually a good thing. Like I think that's good writing. I think yeah. it's good to acknowledge that this hero who is very impulsive and very, you know, imposing his own uh, morals on other societies and then leaving. Mm-hmm. That's not a good way to do things in the long term. No, and it's nice that it you know, that pans out as not being a good thing in the long term, you right. know? I mean, this is a clear, like, this is classic Kirk. This is mm. going to a place, to a, to a, to an alien place, imposing his morals on their system, and then leaving. Yeah. It didn't work. It fucked them up. They, they, they weakened themselves so much by becoming a free society that they were not prepared for, you know, the awful other things out there. Yeah. Which I loved. That was, I- that was fantastic. I was reading on Memory Alpha, I forget which one of the writers was talking about it, but he was basically saying, well, I was thinking about how, you know, the fat sort of fascist uh, Terran Empire sort of could have come about. And the only time that really happens is if, you know, it's in reaction to, you know, harsher things outside. Right. And, you know, basically the idea is it's not just that the, that, uh, the Terran Empire is evil. The entire universe is slightly more evil than the regular universe. Well, and and Kira hitting on herself made me hot. Okay, Uh, (laughs) made me turn to Amanda and say, "Look, they clearly said that a woman is in love with another woman. There are gay people in Star Trek." And she said, "Yes, the mirror universe. Everything's opposite. Everyone's gay in the mirror universe. (laughs) Nobody's gay in the real universe." Yep. So that was a nice way for her to sort of emphasize her point. I, I I also noticed you didn't at any point refer to her as Mirror Kira because that is a fucking mouthful. No. Mirror Kira, the rural but, uh, juror. But when, uh, but when Odo blows up, I did refer to him as Explodo. <laughs> Oddly enough, uh, Flonk happened to be watching the episode yesterday on, on Twitter because he also typed Explodo. <laughs> like, uh, uh. There's a reason uh, we have him. I like him. that guy. There's a reason we have him on once a year. Yep. And only <laughs> once a year. The, the thing is, like, because you have this alternate universe, you can do stuff like that. Yep. You can kill a main character and, and you know, you can have fun with like weird romances that would never happen and you mm-hmm. you know, like that that's part of the fun, like we were saying. You get You to... don't get a much weirder romance that would never happen than uh, Kira and Kira. Well, but Kira and Cisco is like ah. Yeah, that was weird. And you know Especially since Cisco clearly was not into it. Right. Well, but he knew, you know, 
He knew which side of his uh, bread was... Wait, how does that expression go? Do they even have bread in the future? I don't know. Is it like pizza? He knew where the butter was. Yes. That's the I expression, I know where the right? butter is. <laughs> I wonder uh, if Excuse the... me, excuse me, it's Mir Cisco. I know where the butter is! He's... <laughs> he, had a, he had a very Frank Gorshin way of playing. Oh my the, god, uh, did he ever! It was, you know, it was great. I, I am amazed there was any scenery left to chew. Oh, between he swallowed uh, Quark's bar whole. <laughs> between him and Kira. And yep. When when Garrick is your most subtle character. Yeah. And it was great to see Andrew Robinson have have uh, an excuse to step up and play legitimate evil instead of sort of secretly sinister. Yep. That was cool. I liked I, that. I, I like I, I like the idea of Andrew Robinson just sort of looking around as like you know what I want to step back a little this week. Yeah. Let, let these guys Garrick it up. I'll yeah. I'll be just the straight up evil one. And he's he, he plays it more Gul Dukat. He plays it where he's sort of the jackbooted thug who comes yep. in and you know like, wants to kill everyone. Yeah, tosses Doing your quarters and has you has you carted off to be uh, tortured. Yep. And uh, it, it's nice. It suits him. Like he he does it well. Mm-hmm. And it's weird having Garrick as a straight up bad guy with absolutely no gray area. It's, yeah, it makes it's you cool. wonder what he uh, was getting up to back when he uh, uh, was on Cardassia. I, I think. I think he's always been involved in sort of spy type stuff, so I think there's always been that gray area mm. of, yeah, he does bad things, but he's still not totally evil. Like, you don't have him marching into a room and ordering everyone executed. That's not really no. his style. No. It's all sneaking around for him. That's not how Garrick plays it. Right, which is cool to see him, you know, again, in... Uh, Murdering in, everyone. Yeah. Um... But it was, you know, it was it was cool seeing everybody and and seeing Cole Meany play the sort of beaten down O'Brien. That's another thing I like. Um, it doesn't really matter what universe you're in. Uh, Chief O'Brien still pretty good guy. Yep, and you know, still beaten down. Yep. The universe made uh, accommodated for the fact that there's no Keiko by making everything evil. No matter what the universe, O'Brien must suffer. Right. Well, that's a that's a basic law of uh, you know like good drama is yep you know the the character you sympathize with the most is the one that goes through the most conflict, mm-hmm. and uh, you know because because it, it it makes us feel for him, and we felt really bad for him. Yeah, poor guy again. But no, they, every everyone pretty much played their characters a little different, and some mm-hmm. of them over the top, some of them more subtle. They did something Let's, with Quark where he looked a little sort of scrawnier, which I like. Yeah, he, they um they had him in all black, and I guess mm-hmm. you know slimming. Right. Because he just he looks like you know sick. Well, he, he looked physically smaller, like like everyone else intimidated. Like to make Kira intimidating to anyone, mm-hmm. like physically, you have to make everyone like a foot shorter because she's quite small. Yeah. So that I'm sure that was part of it, and I don't I don't know. Like I, I liked. The way everyone played. I mean, we didn't get evil Bashir. We got normal Bashir, but no one had ever seen him before. Yeah. And uh, Dax wasn't was this there. Idiot? And of course, Sirach Lofton did not appear in this episode. I don't... I'm starting to wonder if Sirach Lofton actually exists. Yeah. I mean, he's in the credits. I mean, sure, but so's Gene, and he doesn't exist anymore. That's a fair point. <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, evil Jake would have been a little ridiculous, but fun. <laughs> Evil, evil Noj Enterprises would have been fantastic. It's a, it's a massive conglomerate, right? But you know the the it's characters... like the company from Aliens. <laughs> the the characters we did get though were all you know great versions of of characters we already knew, yep. and that's sort of the point. Like on the one hand, you get to have fun with it, but on the other, you do get some sort of insight into the real guys. Yeah, exactly. Which is I nice. 
the, I I love. I mean, this is my good thing. I fucking love Evil Kira. Yeah. For a variety of reasons. <laughs> <clears throat> well, Kira uh, Nana Visitor doesn't often get to play straight up sexy. Like she, no. there are things about her that are appealing. If you like strong women, which I do, mm-hmm. but she doesn't often get to sort of be sexy. And, well, no, she's yeah. very like, like that's not her character at all. Right. Like, you know, she gets to. Uh, be romantic with Beryl in the next episode, and, like, that's the first time we've seen regular sexy Kira. Right. Like, most of the time, she's pretty tightly wound. But on the other hand, you get the impression that this is in the real Kira somewhere. Like, it's not such a departure that it's a completely different character. You feel like, under different circumstances, if Kira had grown up, you know, okay. Right. She could have called you friend. Right. Exactly. But, yeah, she's she's definitely... uh, like, there, there's this scene in the big I killed Quark party at the end of the episode <laughs> where, um... Odo was not under, not able to attend that party, unfortunately, and he really, really wanted to. Well, the problem... <laughs> the problem is they were still scraping him off the wall. Right. Um, where she gets into, like, this whole speech about how she's, you know, doing everything for, like, the good of the, the Terran people, and mm. she's really helping them and everything. If they would just follow the orders you know everything would run so much smoother and i'm just watching i'm like are they like purposely making her sound like gul dukat because that's good writing yeah it's absolutely good writing without without calling attention to it without having our characters say she sounds like gul dukat like it's subtle yeah you have to you have to connect that dot there like that's awesome and i mean like that's got to be like a huge thing for that for uh for kira for real kira to see our kira yeah no that major kira yeah Got some major Kira going on over here. <laughs> I, I will also give major credit. Eh? <laughs> oh. I did not. In, my brain just used that word. Like, what are you doing? Stop that. Too late. <laughs> I, I have to give serious credit to uh, Nana Visitor for there There are at least two scenes where it's the only it's just the two Kiras in a room and nobody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, for for a good five minutes in one of them. Yep. And that takes a lot of like good acting to be able to act against no one. Yep. Like, on the one hand, playing two characters at the same time, but also only being able to do half the scene at once. Yeah. It was it was really convincing. It felt like two distinct people in the room at the Like, it didn't call attention to the fact that, oh, th- this is, like, you know, camera trickery. Mm-hmm. It felt like two characters acting against each other, which was great. There was, there was some good acting going on there. Do you know if when they film those, do they have, like, another actor just reading the... Uh the lines back to the person. I think it depends on who's doing the production. I know some some of them do that way. Mm. Some of them just have like a like an eye line for you to look at. Right. So you know, you know how to make eye contact and they have someone sort of shouting the lines from off. <laughs> now she's seducing you. Right. Now look at React the tennis ball. To that. Look at the tennis ball. <laughs> but acting is probably a weird thing to have to do. Well, acting has become much weirder since like you know, CG and a lot mm-hmm. more green screeny type stuff and all that, you know, acting against things that you can't see and just have to sort of imagine will be there later. Yeah. Like, it, you know, back in the day, you just talked to the person who was next to you and, mm-hmm. and now it's just turned into this thing, which is, you know, it's cool. Yep. But it takes a whole new sort of skill set. Yes. Um. Just imagine all this green stuff is something actually happening. Right. And, you know, sometimes it's done well and sometimes it isn't, but, uh, yeah. you know. Um, in this case, it was done really well. I think so. And and I'll give them technical points for not having, like, a vertical line between every, you know, between the two of them in every scene. But 
my bad thing was actually some of the directing choices. I think they went a little too far trying to make the mirror universe seem different. Like, oh yeah, that was so weird. They had the like. I understand you want to change the camera angles, you want to change the lighting, just to you know because we're on familiar sets and you need to make them seem different. Well, yeah, I mean, like first of all, you know, it's evil, so it's dark. Right, which, okay, fine. It's dark, and as you pointed out, it had a very uh, uh, carbon-freezing chamber in Cloud City vibe to it. Yeah, a lot. With a lot of steam and a lot of uh, blue and orange lights. Mm. Well, the thing is, we know what Taraknor looks like when it's a mi- when it's a mining station. We've seen that before. Yeah, and they and, had to make it know, look different than that, too. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was a challenge for them to do that. And I think the set people did a good job. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they made the, the sets look different enough. But the camera angles, like a lot of times they would go really low and sort of shoot up people's noses. And I there, There's this scene right when they get to the mirror universe that is inexplicably shot from the crotch. Yep. And you could literally see up their nostrils. Yeah. And, and like Kira's under boob is blocking her face because it's yeah. shot so low. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what is what is happening here? And it's just, it's a little too much. It's a little too, and then some of the lighting, like the the dark lighting is cool. Like making mm-hmm. things darker makes sense. But um, there were, Amanda actually pointed this out to me. She does photography and she notices this stuff more than I do. Um, there's a couple of scenes between Kira and Evil Kira where they try to light it so that Evil Kira is in the dark. That's really dumb. And the problem is they're in the same room. Mm-hmm. And trying to imagine what's causing that lighting effect to happen is like, well, then where is the light? Well, how is she thing, dark when she's standing right next to her? Well, the thing is, they used to do that on the original series when they would do that weird eye shade thing. Yeah, it was distracting but then them. It, but then at least the two characters weren't in this on this like on the same. Uh, yeah, like uh, looking at each other. Yeah, exactly. Also, it was the '60s, and we're willing to forgive. Like that's the way they shot things back then. Yes. Is weird, but that's just the style of the time. Yeah, th- like this was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. It was a bit mo- like I said. Some of the choices were good, but some of them were a bit much and a bit too like trying yeah. too hard. I think. Yeah. No, I appreciate what they were trying to do, but this was not the way to go about it. No. And it's weird because I believe this one was directed by the dude who directed Generations, like the guy that they trusted enough to give a film. Yeah. Like this, it's not like a first-time director or something. This guy should know what he's doing. He just went crazy. I guess. I'm gonna make this. So evil. Well, he did the he did the directorial version of what Avery Brooks did acting wise. Yes, I'm going to make it ridiculous. <laughs> Give me all that scenery. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> it's not going to be any scenery left. Oof. Look, we have to come back to this station next week, you guys. No, nope, <laughs> too late. We have that great scene in the beginning before they they uh, they cross over. Where uh... what's that name again? <laughs> My what are they doing? My name's Poochie D, and I rock the telly. Um, I uh, I was reading. Uh, oh no, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, just the 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 little road trip vibe. The little like I'm gonna meditate now, so be quiet. What you want me to be quiet? Of course, I'm the quietest person there is. I'll just be quiet now. Look there's, at me being quiet. There's nobody on earth who's more quiet than I am. <laughs> and it was, let me know when it's time to stop being quiet. <laughs> it was almost too much. Like it was almost ridiculous, but it was just this side. Like the acting, mm-hmm. I think, made it actually funny yep and is this we fi- weird what's up we finally get to uh uh julian trying to ask kira out too oh yeah and and he's he's sort of talking around it so he has a he has an out yep and she's like well you're you're not really no no of course i'm not no which Good. is nice yeah <laughs> but and, and the weird thing is we know that these two actors will actually hook up in real life yep 
which makes it extra strange to me. But it, it's, it, it's just a nice, like, nobody likes Julian moment. Well, no. And then he tries to, to get over on uh, on Mirror O'Brien by saying, Oh, well, in, in my universe, we're best friends. Best no. friends, you and I. No, you're not. You're just barely starting to tolerate him. Well, Kira does the exact same thing to Quark, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, over universe. on my universe, we're best friends. Really? Yeah, he does stuff for me all the time, and in return, I'm civil to him. Not actually true. Not true in the least. <laughs> and she's she's even racist, like, after he's dead. Well, yep. Quark may have been a disgusting Varangi troll, but at least he... Oh, wow, really? The man is dead. Yeah. Not like, cool. I know you have a spare, but this is all the Quarks we have. <laughs> you know, now, the, now, now the bar is going to be run by Rom. <laughs> Evil Mirror Rom. Wow. <laughs> over on the uh, over in the Mirror Universe, he's super intelligent. Right. Yeah, that would make sense. Everything's the opposite, right? He's like this Machiavellian uh, 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 schemer. Yeah, all, everything that's been happening has been happening because of him. It's all. Yep. It is all happening as I have foreseen. All's come. It's all coming together now, <laughs> brother. Wow, making Rom sound sinister turns into Hank Hill. <laughs> It is all happening as I have foreseen. Oh boy! Perhaps um, you've heard of the of the, of the Earth dictator Khan, Min, <laughs> Boomhauer. I wonder what Mirror Khan is like. <laughs> Nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. During the uh, eugenics piece, <laughs> uh, we get a we get a great bit where uh, Garrick enters and gets the yell, Quark. Yeah, that was lovely. That was nice. Like, wait, that sounds... Oh, it's a, it's a different guy. That's why. It's like, just when we think he doesn't actually do it, someone else does it. Yep. And then, uh... And Quark gets an opportunity to tell Garrick, I'm just a simple barkeep. Yep. Like, this is not nice little touches. Never did anything to no one. Right. Which Tended I bar. quite enjoyed. <clears throat> not, uh... Certainly not helping Terrans escape, that's for darn sure. No, not at all. And, Who would uh, even do that? Evil Kira has, uh, Vulcan slave boys. Yep. That was nice. Just, like, helping her bathe. That was a fun scene, wasn't it? <laughs> you, uh, you really enjoyed Evil Kira, didn't you? Maybe. Look, I like regular Kira pretty well, too. Well, sure. You, you wanted them to make out, didn't you? Maybe. Shut up. All right. Uh, we also have uh, Cisco's most elaborate uh, mirror universe knife ever. Oh, God. And we're talking about a universe that really enjoys elaborate knives, okay? Oh, yeah. That's that it's a defining quality. It's like uh, evil when, uh, and elaborate knives. Like, the mirror universe took a look at the uh, at the Klingon knife and go and went, you know what? Uh, we could do pointier. Yep. And pointier they did. It's like there's a scene where he it looks like he's holding an exploded feather made of steel. It, it looks like like he's I guess supposed to be eating an apple or something off of it. I don't know what he's eating off was of it. Was that what he was doing? I don't know because it's in his mouth. Just yeah, the he's knife is in his a mouth. Fucking knife in his mouth. And I, I assume there was food on the end of it. Mm -hmm. But I I guess I don't actually know that. He might have just been eating the knife. I I all I know is this: if I was S evil Cisco and I I was as prone to giggling as he was, I would not put a sharp object in my mouth. Well, I would no. need, I'd be worried about putting a toothbrush in there. <laughs> Well, he does make a lot of abrupt movements. Yep. And that's probably not good when you're holding a sharp object against your face. <laughs> Talk about a dude who refuses to walk around anything. <laughs> I, climb over the bar again. 
I I do like that you pointed out that he doesn't appear to enjoy uh, being um, Evil Kira's like uh, sex toy. He just kind of does it because you know that's what yep. that's what gets him a ship. Yep. But he's not. There's happy actually about it. like when uh, when she calls him to her to her quarters, she he actually has this like the one moment where he's not freaking out in the episode. Right. He's like. Ugh. It's, it's like he it's like he just got hit with a rake. <laughs> It's like it's like he's married to Keiko <laughs> for just a minute. Like, oh, Ugh. I gotta go. But that that's an interesting dynamic as well, mm-hmm. because it's not that he's uh, willingly selling out his people. It's just that you know, yeah. Well, I mean, he well, is willingly he, selling out his people. He, but he seems like a guy who's just decided to take the easy way out. Right. You know, he sort of looked around. Everything sucks for humans. Well, let's see what I can do. Yeah, what can I do to get ahead? Yeah. Bone the intendant? Very well. Done and done. I got a ship now. I got a ship and a crew of oh, Mullity Rebels. Crew. Oh, They were like the worst of like any Mullity Rebels from a Mullity Rebel episode, but they were space pirates. Yep. Which is worse. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that could make Mullity Rebels more annoying. Yep. They, they, this one like, had his eyes scooped out. Oh, this one is like a, a fat Asian dude who looks like, I don't know, Harry Kim ate too many moon pies. Oh, so uh, Buck Bukai. <laughs> yes, Buck Bukai, exactly. <laughs> they were just all like uh, unappealing, unattractive, just blah. And then one looked like Beverly. Yeah. For some reason. That was weird, too. Yeah. Because, like, they had the same... I guess they had the same haircut or something. Because, like, you catch her out of the corner of your eye, and you're just like, wait, Bever's, Bever's here? Yeah, and the lighting is so low, and there's so much smoke that you can't really see her face. So you mm-hmm. just... The hairstyle is like, oh, it must be her. Well, and the thing was, they were uh, they were planning on having Worf in this episode. Oh, yeah, he was going to be the Garrick. He was going to be, like, the second in command. And yeah. I'm glad they didn't, because I like that Garrick got a chance to shine. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's a character we enjoy, and, and I like... You know, seeing him being able to do stuff. Yeah, no, that's it's a good uh, it's a good backup. Yeah, and we will get without really spoiling who we will get additional people from other series in future Mirror episodes. Yes, which is a nice way to sort of incorporate like, you know, what it's like in the Mirror Universe for other you know for other characters, mm. which is cool. How do you think the Mirror Universe deals with all of the weird crap that Star Trek has to deal with every week? You know, I, see, I don't know because they're not out exploring, so they probably don't run into all that stuff. Like, you know, you get the, like, the mirror universe, like, uh, like, Q showing up. Oh, yeah. Who would obviously have a beard, by the way. Ugh. Like, he's gonna look exactly like, uh, John Delancey did when he was on Breaking Bad. <laughs> would he be that same, like, sort of sad character? Probably, probably, the universe isn't as fun. Well, that's true. It's no, it's no fun to torture people when they're all mad all the time. I just, I, I don't know, I, I feel like a lot of that stuff probably just never happened. That's too bad. Yeah. I would love to see, like, the ongoing adventures of, like, the evil Enterpri- Enterprise D exploring the universe and running into crap and then just killing it. <laughs> well, that's sort of the implication in the original. Mm-hmm. Was they even, they even like, referenced previous episodes where uh, Kirk killed Captain Pike to become captain and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, it's I, I imagine, you know, until Terrans stopped building starships. Well, yeah. Now they're a little out of luck. Right. Now there is no Enterprise D because, you know, they all live on a horrible, like, mining station or whatever. Nice one, Spock. Yep. Thanks. Good job. I bet he shaved, too. Not probably. Jerk. Bring an error of peace to the... Yeah. Cl- to the Empire. 
Gonna turn it into a federation. Oh no! Literally everyone else in the universe is trying to kill us. <laughs> like, are there... I guess there's no Borg in, uh... I don't know, there might the be. Universe. I don't see why there wouldn't be. Well, we didn't... If we if we don't have Q sending the Enterprise to... Well, no, no, I'm, I'm, I think that the Borg still exist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I... They're in there, but, like, you know... They might not show up early because of Q. Yeah. But they're, they're still out there. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, like, I, I don't really, I don't really understand what the Star Trek approach to the whole, like, sort of, Amazon, like, butterfly flitting its wings in the Amazon, like, I believe Enterprise goes into exactly what changed to make everything different. Oh, really? I think so. If I'm That's not mistaken, I could be, I could be wrong, but I mm. think it was like, and it was something standard, like the Nazis won World War II or something like sure. that. Sure. But... I thought that's that was sort of like something on Earth changed, which changed everything for the Alpha Quadrant. Mm. I don't think that would affect everything else, would it? I don't actually know. I mean, it, I guess it depends. Like, if the Borg are way over in the Delta Quadrant, like, wouldn't everything have been the same for them? Probably. But I, I don't know. Well, it also depends on what the what the origin of the Borg is then, because I've heard a couple. Yeah, that's true too. Ugh, let's not even. Oh God. I I went down that rabbit hole on Memory Beta one day. <laughs> Have you? Are you really familiar with like, like it ended up being three Earth, like, like Starfleet guys? Yeah, yeah, because that was where the that uh, was where the Destiny trilogy came from, which I actually really liked. Yeah, but that origin. Yeah, hurts no, my and, face. and one of the and one of the people was like, like it was one of like a, it was a supporting character from Enterprise, I think. Yeah, which. It, that's dumb. Yeah, it, it is dumb. And the fact that that I think was an author trying to explain why they're called the Borg, which is a human name for cyborg. Yeah. Like, oh, really? You had to explain we don't that, huh? Need a name for that? It's like no. We we've accepted a lot of things, like the fact that Vulcan is a Earth yeah. word. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but Romulus and Remus are both Earth words. Fucking don't worry about it. You yeah. know? No, but I think that's why they wanted to make it a human thing, and it. Uh. Uh, like really, you mean this alien thing couldn't have just developed on its own? We yeah. like Starfleet had to be involved somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, ah. and there was also it's like, well, why do they look human? Because the we've established that an alien race seeded the galaxy with humanoid life. Yeah. There's humans all over the place. It's like fuck you, calm down. Yeah. Ah. Anyway. Ah. <laughs> but that's not what we're reviewing. We're reviewing this no. episode. What was your bad thing? Oh yeah. Um. So I I, I really like this episode. Yeah, but, it was fun. So I had kind of a hard time finding a bad thing, but um, the fact that the only thing that uh, Kira and Julian had to do to fix the whole thing is just to go back through the wormhole, that is so stupid. Like, yep. that is the, that is, <coughs> that is literally the simplest possible way to, uh, to solve the problem. Like, they talk about, during the episode, they talk about this plan to scare up a transporter and try to replicate the original accident, to, which, you know... That sounds cool to me. That would have been, like, that would have been an actual, like, goal for the episode, trying to, you know, get this stuff together that they probably don't keep right together anymore, because it just well, was a, in more it, The original crossovers. one was transport in an ion storm, which was yeah. sort of a unique thing. Yeah. So you'd have to duplicate the, uh, the, the effects of that. Yeah. You know, you'd have to scare up some ions in a transporter. You know, that sounds cool. But, like, they abandoned that halfway through because uh, Intendant Kira is just like, yeah, we fixed the transporter so they don't do that anymore. Well, that see, that made sense to me. I believe that if any, like, particularly any Terrans who are now crushed under the heel of everyone <laughs> else heard that there was a better universe and it's not hard to get there, mm-hmm. they would all just leave. 
Yeah. So I understand why they would have fixed the transporters. But yeah, it's plot wise, it was like suddenly the goal just sort of disappeared. And oh, we didn't need that anyway. We can yeah, just go back home. We'll just escape. Yeah. Which means there is a wormhole there. Mm-hmm. It opens so many questions. Like, why why did the wormhole m- malfunction and send them to a different universe? Why did it only do it once? Yeah. The Klingons that were chasing them when they left, did they come through as well? Like, there's it's so many things that just don't quite work. Yeah. Is it going to happen again? Like, I, I don't know. Like, if the Mirror Universe has access to, uh, you know... Like, bad enough if they have access to the Gamma Quadrant, because now you're... Sure. <clears throat> now, now we've got a whole new series of problems. Right. But if they suddenly have, like, a door to, like, the regular universe, you know, now we have new problems. Sure. Now we have a war with the Mirror Universe, which I just thought of and sounds fantastic. That would be a fun book. I don't want to see it in the show. I would totally read that book. That sounds so cool. But apparently some some novel somewhere uh, put forth the theory that the prophets deliberately made the wormhole go to the mirror universe because they wanted the two universes to have contact for some mysterious prophet reason. Well, the idea was that they want all Cisco's in all universes oh. to, be, to, to find the wormhole. Interesting. Yeah. Eh, okay. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It was it was kind of dumb, like, and it's one of those things that I'd rather not think about too much. Sort of like the idea that all these characters somehow managed to be in the same place. Yeah, like Cisco was assigned here by Starfleet in our world. Why would he just be there? Yeah, I mean, theoretically, he should still be on Earth or somewhere. Like, I, I yeah. don't know. It, there's so many things that don't really compute. See, and like that's the thing with the Mirror Universe is that, <clears throat> like, it doesn't make sense. Well, no, for, here's another one. We, without getting into specifics, we think Odo came from the Gamma Quadrant. If they don't mm-hmm. have a wormhole, then how did Odo get to that the That is an excellent fucking question that I did not even think of. Yeah, but again, who cares? Yeah. Like, it, it, we, we need to be clear, it doesn't matter. Like, they're telling mm-hmm. a fun story, and it doesn't matter, but it is one of those concepts that you really don't want to think about too much. Yeah. Well, and, like, they talk, like, uh, Sarah Lofton does not appear in this episode. <laughs> right. Because uh, because Jake doesn't exist in this universe. Why not? Everyone else does. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's if they're gonna contrive a reason for all these people to be in the same place here, yeah, you might as well just take it all so, away. Why not one more? Although, from a storytelling standpoint, it would have been weird to have this you know this roguish sort of charming pirate guy carry his son around. Yeah, that would have been a, that would have been a little. I awkward. don't think Evil Cisco would make such a good father. Right. I mean, we've, we've remarked again and again on how great a father Ben is, but uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe not evil Ben. Dad, I had trouble in school again. <laughs> Let me jump over something. I don't know how that helps me. <laughs> no, I just like jumping over things. Like jumping, I like laughing, I'm a happy guy. <laughs> like my friend Smiley. <laughs> I don't think we touched on that. Smiley O'Brien. He doesn't like the name Miles. Cisco doesn't, so he calls him Smiley. I don't like the name Miles. That's why I called you Smiley. Which is, you know, it's a fun, ironic name because, like, Mirror O'Brien is so beaten down and just so, like, like, doesn't make eye contact with anyone and just, you know. I don't think he's smiled once in his life. Nope. In that other universe, I have a wife. I'm sure she makes me happy. Oh... Bashir's trying his best not to, like... Yes! You're best friends! Uh Uh-huh. Everyone is my best friend over there. Yep, I'm the most popular guy. (laughs) Can't wait to get back home to all my friends. Yep. Uh, 
All right. Anything else? <laughs> um, let me see here. Uh, no, I think. Oh no, you know what? One more thing. I really fucking loved uh, the uh, the Cardassian Klingon Alliance logo. Yes, you did. Like a lot. <laughs> you also pointed out that um, the uh, the the Terran Empire logo, which used to be uh, a picture of Earth with a sword through it, yep, is now just a picture of the Earth. Well, they have <clears throat> all the Terrans have like a um, like an Earth sticker on them. Yeah, basically. And, and yeah, it's it's the uh, it's the old Terran Empire logo, but without the sword. I didn't put that together. I thought it like, well, they put a picture of their planet on them. That's dumb. But now it makes sense. Yeah, they took the sword away. So they took like the that. sword out. Like, shook. Yep, because they were going to put their eyes out otherwise. Yes, <laughs> like that guy on have... Cisco's crew. <laughs> <laughs> it's not safe to have a sword on your shirt all the time. Right. Uh, so you got a quote for us? I do indeed have a quote. This is uh, O'Brien talking about uh, his dreams of a better place. What were you thinking? Do you want an answer, Intendant? Yes! This man... This man... is a doctor where he comes from. And there's an O'Brien there, just like me. Except he's some kind of... high-up chief of operations. They're Terrans. Can you believe that? Maybe it's a fairy tale he made up, but it started me thinking how how each of us might have turned out if history had been just a little different. I wanted him to take me with him because whatever it's like where he's from, it's got to be better than this. There's got to be something better than this. Oh, that's beautiful, Smiley. Yep. Never going to be like that for you. Nope. Never. Sorry. <laughs> In any Brian must suffer. Yep. All right. Let's move forward to the episode called The Collaborator. Yes. Tell us about it. Why not? I will. For some reason. <laughs> Vedic Burial is preparing for an election that could see him become the spiritual leader of Bajor. So naturally, he's spending all his time having orb experiences and also fondling Kira's orbs. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Kira's breasts aren't hourglass-shaped? I take that back. Anyway, seriously, Boreal is just tripping balls and boning majors. You'd think he'd be out campaigning or helping the poor or something, given that Bajor is about to hold the election to replace Kaiopaka, whom we lost halfway through season one in that terrible episode with Mike from Breaking Bad. So it's taken Bajor a year and a half to get their shit together on this? I guess they must have been really busy staving off space clouds with magic story time and almost listening to the disastrous advice of that guy who definitely wasn't in Darkman. <laughs> Meanwhile, Baraya's political opponent, Vedic Wynn, paused for Matt's booing, Boo! is also on the station. She attempts to free Kubis, a sort of Bajoran Andy Griffith who collaborated with the Cardassians during the occupation, but Kira's having none of it. Wynn convinces Kira to investigate the circumstances behind the collaboration because they implicate Baraya, which is a really weird coincidence that this was all come up before a big election that pits Baraya against Wynn. So Odo and Kira start uncovering deleted files and then continue to do so for approximately seven hours. Seriously, as a guy who's lost stuff on his computer, I can appreciate the importance of trying to recover things you think your computer has destroyed, but it's boring even when it's your own files, and watching other people do it doesn't exactly make for riveting television. Eventually, Kira discovers that Burial did have a role in an incident where 42 Bajoran resistance members were ambushed. But then, in a horrible, mean-spirited dance-on-her-grave twist, it turns out that he was just protecting the real murderer, Kai Opaka. 
No, seriously, that nice old lady killed a bunch of Bajoran rebels. So with the scandal nipping at Barile's feet, he drops out of the race, handing Wynn the victory. And now I can stop finally editing out all the times we call her Kai Win by accident, since Matt and I have watched ahead and we knew this was coming. Uh, I mean, we saw it in an orb prophecy. Uh, yes. Orb prophecy. Seriously, this dude spends about half the episode just, like, touching his orb. Yep. <clears throat> Weird, that. It's, it, I mean, seriously, it, <clears throat> these things are supposed to be special. I got the impression, like, he let Kira do it once, and she was like, my god, I've never done this before. Like, it's supposed to be like a once-in-a-lifetime special thing. Yeah. And he's doing it, it literally every day. I would have liked to have seen, like, in a future episode or something where they talk about how, you know, you're not actually supposed to be using it this much. No, this will make you go insane. Yeah. I mean... And, no and, one should know that much about their... Pa? Destiny? Their pa. Their pa. That's Except a... you, the listener. You should know more about pa. Yes, learn more about pa at our website, postatomichorror.com. <laughs> <laughs> that was maybe the smoothest plug we've ever done. <laughs> I um, <gasps> we we also discovered as we were watching this that uh, well we assumed that the uh, Bajoran news services would have declared you know a win for win situation or something yep. a win win situation. <laughs> oh. Kai win wins. <laughs> oh, terrible! It's got a horrible picture on, of her on the cover smiling <laughs> and being really uh, being a real dick to people. Of course. Well, so just a picture of her, really. Yeah, exactly. I hate her so much. I know you do. And the thing is, like I say, we we knew this was coming for a while, and and I, I've probably inadvertently not edited out all the times we call her Kaiwin because that's just having seen the series, that's how we think of her. Yep. Because Problem is that I forgot that she doesn't start out as Kai. No, and that's that's a great thing. If you're watching this in order from the beginning, like this is a great twist. This is a yep. great like, oh god, now the person we hate the most is in a serious position of power. Well, there's a great they, they talk about on Memory Alpha. Um, they talk about how the whole the plan for the entire year was that they were going to end the season with uh, with uh, Burial becoming the Kai. Mm -hmm. And then at the last minute, they're like, wait, why would we want that? He's Cisco's friend. Yeah, this show's supposed to be about conflict. Why would we make, like, why would we put a friend on Bajor for them? We want the worst possible person. <clears throat> we want to drive Matt crazy. <laughs> well, you've said this before. You love to hate her. I do. Oh, and and in fact, that was my good thing. I love her being her. Yep. There's a, there's this fantastic scene. It's the only scene that Cisco has in the episode because it's largely about uh, Kira and and Barile and Odo gets involved. Mm. But like uh, Cisco and Dak, like all the all the Starfleet guys aren't really involved. Cisco gets this one great scene where Kai Wen is like, "Why do people think we're?" And he goes, "Enemies." Mm. And it's it, like seeing the two of them play off each other, seeing her yep. try to manipulate him into making a public appearance where it looks like he's endorsing her for Kai. Yeah. And him seeing through it and maneuvering around it. Like, it's just, I love that. I love yep. seeing her being evil and him seeing through it. And it's, it's fantastic. Just the two of them play off of each other so well, yeah. you know? And, and like, I had some problems with the later parts of this episode. I got a little bored, but watching those two match wits is great. Yeah. That's the thing. She is such a great villain, you know? Like, and she's so not standard villainous, you know? No, I mean, Gul Dukat, we love him, but he is pretty straightforward. Yeah. They, they give him some Every gray area, they give him some good motivation where you can kind of understand where he's coming from, but he's still yeah. evil. Everything about him says bad guy. Everything about Wynn says, you know... She should be a nice old lady. Yes! She's a, she's an old lady, and she's uh -huh. she's a, like a, a spiritual leader of a very spiritual people. She talks very quietly, and she's very nice to your face. Right. It seems like, oh, this is somebody's grandma. How nice. Yeah. 
it's not until you notice that she just stabbed you in the back, and then you're like, hey! Hey, my very elaborate jagged knife is in my <laughs> own back. Why is that in your mouth now? That's a weird place to put that. It tastes like blood. <laughs> um, I think this is why the, the Kaiopaka ended up being the one who, who was the collaborator kind of bugged me. Mm. Was because she actually was the nice grandma. Yes. Like, they, they did a really good job when she made her appearance of presenting her as the legitimate, lovable spiritual leader, like the person you want to look up to. And, yeah, and like, just, a de like, pretty much the best you could hope for from, yeah, like, you, a religious leader. You just, like, when you're feeling terrible, you want to just go to her and get a hug and have her tell yeah. you everything's going to be okay. And now it turns out, no, she collaborated with the Cardassians. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, that really? sucks. Now, I get it, because they're, they're like, yeah, she killed 42 people, including her own son, to save, like, thousands of Bajorans. Yeah, and it's but it's still. something that they've dealt with on in Star Trek since day one. Yeah. The needs you ever of heard the of many. that needs of the many thing? Right, exactly. It might have come up once or twice. But, I don't know, it just, it, it sat wrong with me. And Amanda watched it with me, and she was saying, well, that's what this show does best. It's sort mm -hmm. of moral ambiguity. It's sort of... You thought this person was great, but she had to make some hard decisions. She's not just straight up great. And yeah, because like, that's the thing. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, and I, I get that. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, but I liked her. Yeah. Sorry. Now she's... she's. I think if the focus of the episode hadn't been, who's the filthy collaborator? Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have thought of it that way. If they'd framed it more like this was a tough decision she had to make. Instead of, like, leading us to think whoever did this was a scumbag and then saying it was her. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably... It's just the way it was presented. That, that bothered me a bit. Yeah. No, but, I get it. Yeah. But, you know, of course, and of course the real villain is Kai Wynn, who uh, Kira is directly responsible for helping win the election. Yeah, nice one. Yeah. Way to go. And that that's a thing the show does really well, is mm -hmm. manipulate people into doing something terrible. I love, because the whole thing is just Kira trying to prove her wrong. Right. You know? And she uses, she's, you know, because... Wynn's just like, oh, yeah, well, it turns out that uh, Beryl's the one that uh, was the actual collaborator. And Kira's just, of course that's not true. Right. And then, you know, she digs her own grave for both of them, which is exactly what Kaya Wynn wanted. Yeah, and... Got it satisfying to be able to say that finally. <laughs> I think, I don't know, I think it was a little too neat that, it, that Kira had a personal interest in this because she was also dating the guy. Like... You know, you mentioned... You mentioned to me how um, how uh, it it was weird that Wynn never sort of uses their relationship. Against yeah, she's them obviously playing like a dirty trick selection and like you know doing everything she can to discredit him. It seems like she would bring that up. Now I'm wondering if that's because she knew she was going to be using Kira to. Yeah, that could be. And that and their relationship to to uh, to fuck him to fuck Beryl over. That could be. Because you know. Like, who's going to be more hurt by this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. I, well, let's hear your good thing, because I want to I talk about this a bit. Okay. So I thought they did a pretty good job of turning me around on Vedic Burial in this one. Like, he spends a lot of the time being, you know, romantic with Kira and not creepy. Like, they sort of downplayed uh, his I would say they, and... they humanized him a bit, yeah. Yeah. Like, and this one's basically about Wynn and Burial fighting over who gets to be the next Kai. So, like, you know... We need to be on his side. And I mean, you know, while I personally can't imagine anyone wanting Win to win anything, I mean, I'm also not a Bajoran hippie, so, you know, what do I know? <laughs> well, the weird thing is they presented her not too long ago as be having a very small following. Mm -hmm. And we don't really know what's happened in between for her to, to get more support. That's true. 
I mean, I'm sure she's been very busy when she's not been on DS9. Well, she hasn't been there for a year. They point that out. Yes. Since the uh, season finale of season one, mm -hmm. which is almost exactly a year ago. You know what? She probably got some points when she uh, turned against What's-His-Face in uh, the Circle Trilogy. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. When she mm -hmm. turned against the Circle Jerk, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, it all works. Yeah, no, and I'm sure she's been busy that whole year, like, building a base. And yeah. the thing is, I mean, this is how politics work. We we mm. There are sometimes brilliant candidates who get lost in the shuffle or they get lost to, to scandal or whatever. And the guy we end up finally electing is not necessarily the best person for the job. They're just the person who survived the election. Well, that's the problem is that you don't have to be a good uh, politician. You need to be able to play the game well. Well, that's and she can clearly do that. Yeah, no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. She she does have to like being a good politician is running a good election, like or running a good campaign. Like mm -hmm. she doesn't have to be a good leader. No, she just has to be a good politician. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah, she's definitely that. She's definitely good at destroying her enemies, if nothing else. I fucking love Deep Space Nine. Yeah, it's pretty great. The thing is, the second half of this episode really bored me because like we watched the mystery like them uncovering them i don't know like i think if they'd focused on different stuff yeah i like the story but some of the points of view they decided to tell the story from kind of mm -hmm. bored me i mean if this wasn't all about data mining yeah you know there's a lot of that and there's i think too much focus like i understand barile's a big part of the story but we were in expected to be invested in his character and you said you turned around on him i still didn't find him that interesting yeah and like okay kira's got a boyfriend good but other than that is like, uh, why why do I care what happens to this guy? I don't really care if he goes away or stays or whatever. Well, the problem is that if they're going to play him as the, you know, as, as a collaborator, we should be feeling as betrayed as Kira is, yeah. which means that they should have, you know, there should have been more groundwork with the character. Right. Like, this is what, the third time we've seen him? I think so. Maybe the fourth. But, you yeah. know, he, he hasn't been the main focus of an episode. I, I think that just felt weird to me. Focusing, mm. like, focusing on Garrick is one thing because he's been sort of in the background since the beginning. Yeah. Beryl's popped up here and there, but focusing an episode on him just felt, I don't know. He's certainly not a second, like, he's a like he's a tertiary character. Right. And the fact that, you know, we joke, Sarah Lofton does not appear in this episode, but really... Burial got a full episode about him. I don't think Jake did this whole season. Nope. And Jake is in the main credits. Yes. So, you know, I get that the kid, you know, he's like 16 or whatever. He's probably in school. He can't be in all of them. Poor kid's not even tertiary. <laughs> but he is a main what, character. What comes after that? Uh, Well, according to the Hitchhiker's Guide, Quandry. There you go. He's a Quandry. Yes. He's the Quandry phase. Yes. Um... But yeah, it's it's weird that we focus on this guy who's who's sort of a distant, you know, character. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't have that much invested, and I didn't care. I cared about not wanting Wynn to be successful. Absolutely. But, but I, I mean, really I care, care about yeah. that in every episode, including ones that she's not in, so. Right. <clears throat> that's nothing new. But, you know, you again, you love to hate her. I do. She is a very successful villain because you hate her so much. Every time that, uh, starring Louise Fletcher as uh, Vedic Wynn, son of a bitch! <laughs> But it's not like when you see, you know, starring this guy as the Maquis leader. It's not like, oh. Mm -mm. Like, it, you, you, you're interested to see what happens. Yeah, I got a note. I, I got a note here. It's like, Louise Fletcher as, as Vedic Wynn. Well, I'm going to be using the word bitch a whole lot. No, that wasn't the word. Sure wasn't. <laughs> but overall, I just, I didn't feel turned around. Like, you, it was more successful winning you over to Burial than me. Yeah. I, I didn't care. And like I said, the last portion of it was just kind of boring to me. And 
I wouldn't write this off as a bad episode, and interesting things happen that will affect the plot later. Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed it, for the most part. But I, I... Like, I get what you're saying about uh, it getting dull towards the end. Yeah. But, uh, and I mean, like, after the halfway point. Like, not in the last... Yeah. Uh, like, the last two or three acts. Like, there was a good chunk of it that was just mm-hmm. kind of... Now, there was an interesting um, reaction by Odo. Oh, yeah, this was a great scene. Where uh, Kira comes in and and starts talking about her problem and spills that she's in love. Mm-hmm. And Odo's, like... I, and you can tell the way it's written. Like, we read about this in Memory Alpha. The way it's written is just supposed to be like, oh, really? But the way he plays it is like, oh, yeah, really? Like, he look he looks devastated. Yeah, and we'd never really seen that before, but when you think about it, it makes sense. Yeah, like, these two have known each other the longest of anyone on the uh, on the station. And they probably Except have... Except for the... maybe uh, Odo and Quark. Right. And they have the closest, like, relationship. Except for maybe Odo Except and Quark. Except for maybe Quark. Odo and Quark, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, if, if Quark said he was in love with someone else, Odo might have the same reaction. Oh, really? What? Oh. <laughs> uh, I was just wondering how long it would take you to realize <laughs> that I was standing here all this time in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> Your auto briefly turned into uh, Senor Card Gage. Ah, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that I. It turns out that I am a changeling. Changling. A changling. Well, now you're just gonna turn into Chang. <laughs> So, what was your bad thing? Um, Naked Win appears in this episode. <laughs> well, in one of one of the many orb experiences that Beryl has. Yeah. Okay. I while while it kind of bugged me that the character constantly orbs, I did. It was a good framing device to sort of. It's sort of like when you frame an episode with recurring dreams. Yeah. I liked that. But yeah, there's a point where he's in bed with Kira, or you know, standing there naked with her, and then we cut away and we cut back, and it's actually Kai Win standing there naked in front of him. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I believe, yeah. I believe my exact reaction was ah, <laughs> and it's you see, like from her neck up, like it's not even like a tiny bit of cleavage or like not anything. even. A, you know what? Doesn't matter. Ah, <laughs> without spoiling much, that is not the last time we'll see that either. No, you remember. It gets worse. It totally gets worse. Um, and speaking of naked Kaiwin, oh. <laughs> Ah, uh, we also get the uh, the uh, official Kai uniform, mm-hmm. which is worn by uh, Beryl in uh, in a lot of his flashbacks or uh, orb or, visions, yeah. and uh, that thing very clearly not made for a guy to wear. See, I don't know. I didn't mind them, and I I like that they have sort of a unisex. Like uh, Amanda mentioned this when she was on the show last week that um, not a lot of Star Trek societies are portrayed as being sort of egalitarian where the men mm. and women have equal power, but um, it's mostly the evil ones and the yes. Bajorans. <laughs> like the Bajorans have a lot of female leaders, a lot of, you know, like the, their spiritual leaders, female, like uh, we got major Kira, like they're, you know, clearly okay with their women being in power. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know. I just kind of like that their, their uniforms are, you know, unisex. See, and all of that's fine, but it doesn't uh, cover for the fact that he looks like a dork. Well, he does, but, in fairness, the guy looks like a dork anyway. The, you got me there. Although when he's shirtless, he's surprisingly buff. You were saying it looked like someone had airbrushed him. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but it, but really, like, I did not expect a priest. No, no, that's true. Although, you know, he does live well and probably is a vegetarian and all that good stuff. I guess, but usually, like, when you have a, a, a priest society, you, you show them sort of being fat and corrupt. Mm-hmm. 
you don't show them being in perfect health and, and you know, buff. I mean, he... No, see, know. that's the thing. He's, like, the only good priest that's ever been, so... Right. Except... And even he killed some people, so... Except he didn't. No, he helped He's cover it He's just a liar. Yep. Well, he, he, he claimed, you know, doctor-patient confidentiality or whatever. Yeah. Where doctor gotta, is priest. <laughs> I gotta say, the shirtless burial scenes, I was pretty distracted by Flashdance Cure anyway, so, Well, that's uh, true. We This was definitely sexy Nana week. Yeah. Between these two episodes. Yeah. Also, again, when she's off duty and she's got her hair not all poofed up, it looks so much better. Oh, God, yeah. That's just one of those things. Mm. I was convinced he was going to die in this episode. Like, I legitimately, having seen the series, I don't remember what happens to him. Yeah. He goes away at some point, but he might move away. We might just not focus him on well, him anymore. I don't remember. Well, the thing is, like, it really seems like they're sort of, now that he's not in the running to be Kai, it kind of looks like they're getting ready to put him away. So, Except, like... Except Why by the end, here? by the end of the episode, they establish that they're still dating. Yeah, like she's she's over it. She understands. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. It was it was just like he he had a line where he says, "I'm not going to lose you, Narice," and it was like, "Oh well, he's going to die." Yeah, it, it, obviously. Yeah, that's I'm, called foreshadowing, kids. Yep. Really basic foreshadowing. Yep. Um. Can Can we talk about? Uh, oh God, what the hell's his name? Kubis. Kubis. <laughs> Well, as I mentioned in my summary, he looked that very much like... That hated Bajoran Kubis. Every time they're like, Kubis must answer for his crimes. I'm just like, really? Kubis? That's a clown's name. <laughs> hey, hey, kids, I'm Kubis the Clown. <laughs> <laughs> yep. This ain't makeup. He did look like uh, late Andy Gr- like very uh, Matlock era Andy Griffith, though. Yep. Just, he just had that look, and, and he had an accent that really seemed to bother you. What accent was... Do you know where that's from? Because I had trouble placing it. I was sort of a northeastern, like, not quite New York, not quite Boston, somewhere in the eastern seaboard kind of accent. Yeah. Fucking, like, no one in Star Trek has ever had that accent. Yeah. Well, he's lived on Cardassia for a few years, you know. Yeah, but no Cardassian has ever spoke like that either. They have a very sort of slow, vaguely British way of talking. I guess that's true. No one on Cardassia is all like, oh... Yeah, sure, dear. <laughs> I did what I had to do. I had to help the people of Bajor. You know how it is. <laughs> Anthony. Yeah, it was it was a little off-putting, but and I don't know. I was know. like, oh, what? It, it was it was the name more than anything, where everyone kept saying, well, Kubis is... <laughs> the, the world's greatest criminal is Kubis. <laughs> really? Kubis? <laughs> There's, there are few people on Bajor more hated than Kubis. On the list of, of the most evil Bajorans, Kubis comes in at number four. Let's hear that list. And number nine. <laughs> Kubis. Kubis. Now, I understand he got the plot moving, but, you know. Still. Fucking weird old man. <laughs> Caning around he on was, DS9. He, he, and he, he seemed genuinely confused by, like... Uh, they exiled him, and he left, so he clearly understands that he's being exiled. Yeah. He suddenly well, the th- decides... the thing is, he, he went and lived on, on uh, Cardassia as a collaborator. Yeah. But suddenly, one day, he wakes up and decides it's okay for him to come back home. No one told him that. Well, it's been, you know, it's been long enough. It's yeah. been, what, three years? Sure, that's sufficient. I, it's probably uh, safe to come home now. Exile means go away for a little while. Yeah. But what seems, do you mean everyone's mad at me? He seems why? genuinely hurt and confused. Well, why can't I just go back to Bajor? Because you're not allowed, you asshole. You did kill a lot of people. Why? Sure, but like... And Kira, like, like It says, wasn't my fault. I'm sorry for what I'd done. <laughs> Grupler Kubis? That's right. 
Wow. God, can you find a more ridiculous name? You can only bring Mr. Hengus into it. Oh my god, Groppler Hengus Koopas. <laughs> the Heng- <laughs> well, there's a tie this year, so the co-Grapplers will be Hengus and Koopas. <laughs> Hengus and Koopas in the morning. <laughs> Who are you filming this for? <laughs> Me. <laughs> I think we'd be the only people... Uh, Amused by that. But that's, oh yeah, that's but we'd okay. be passionate. You know, if we if we let him, Kubis could totally become the next Mister Hanks. Oh yes, Kubis. Groppler, Groppler Kubis. Yep. Why can't I come home? I just picture like the resistance trying to to outsmart him during the occupation and like failing. Oh, Kubis! Oh, he got us again. <laughs> Why is he so wily? <clears throat> He's always sitting on his porch whittling. Or like uh, his scenes with Gul Dukat. Thank you, Kubis. <laughs> this list of people to go to the mines is perfect. You've done a powerful service for the people of Bajor, Kubis. Kubis. And you will be greatly rewarded. I'll make sure that the name Kubis is never forgotten on Cardassia. <laughs> also, what must it be like for a Bajoran to live on Cardassia, really? That's got to be tough. I can't imagine. Like, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure they, they have, like, a, a, a little ghetto set up for them or something. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it can't be Well, fun. I mean, here's the thing. <clears throat> we know that Garrick isn't happy living on uh, on uh, a Bajoran station with Bajorans judging him all day long. Oh, and, and we Bajorans saw... And Bajorans are basically good people. We saw Cardassian orphans living on Bajor. Yeah. Who also were not doing so great. Yeah. So no, but, I I understand. But the Cardassians are jerks as a like on the just other as hand, a rule. On the other hand, the Cardassians believe that they were doing good for for Bajor. Yep. And so maybe they like maybe they look down at them as sort of subhuman, but they don't hate them. No. They just I imagine he's got like a uh, a very nice prison cell to live in, you know. Right. Like he's got an apartment that he strongly uh, advised not to leave. Right. Which he calls the Kubis cave. <laughs> God damn it. Or Kubis' crib. <laughs> hey, you want to come back to uh, Kubis' crib? St- Stately Kubis Khan. <laughs> Price, no man can say. Uh, that's pretty much all I had. What about you? Um. Oh, I have see. my bad thing. Sorry. Oh, yeah, please. Uh, so there's a point, and this is serious, where Kira and Odo can't uh, uncover the data that they need, so they go to Quark to hack into the Bajoran records. Like, like it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, these guys have come after him so many times for doing so much worse. Yep. And, or so much less. Like, they, they just, they, I don't know. The fact that these two would be totally willing to, to go to Quark and say, do something illegal because it's for us. Mm-hmm. This is a bit hypocritical. I, I yeah. did not care for that. No. It was a bit out of character, I thought. Yeah. And do you think Odo's going to turn the other cheek next time he catches Quark doing something? No. no. Do you think uh, Kira's going to be better to him? No. Absolutely not. Although, in fairness, Odo's trying to look over his shoulder to see how he does it. And he's like, eh, go away. I'll tell you when I get in. Yeah. Like, he's not going to show him how he does crime. Yeah. You already know enough about how I do crime. Yeah, I'm not going to help you. It was it was really just it, it threw me out of the episode for a sec. Like, wow, yeah. they would they would not do that. That's kind of lazy writing, I think. Yeah. So it was a little disappointing. But uh I don't know, that's all I had. Anything else? Uh let me just have a quick look over my notes here. I think we hit everything. 
I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of notes here. It wasn't a bad um, episode, and in the in the sort of continuing scheme of things, yeah. I liked it better than I actually liked the episode itself. Because mm-hmm. it, we, it, oh, go ahead. We, I, I do like we had one. Uh, we talked briefly about uh, about uh, Cisco and uh, mm-hmm. Wynn's standoff, right? So we end the episode, and she's been elected. And on the way out, she's oh, by the way, mention to uh, Commander Cisco, I don't actually need to see him next week. I'm going to be real busy. What would be in the Kai and all? Yeah, she she doesn't need his endorsement to win the election anymore. So nope. And now fuck she him. can go back to working on uh, discrediting him. Yep. And she calls yep. him emissary to his face. Yep. But she doesn't refer to him that way to anyone else. Yep. Ugh. You bitch. Yep. She's she's a bit of a bitch. Or the other word you used. Yep. All right. Well, that's Turns all. Turns out some people don't like that word. Well, did, have you gotten complaints? No. Okay. Because I was going to say, like, I, I, you know, I usually hear this stuff. If the listeners mm. are like, could you, could you back off that maybe a little bit? But uh, no, nobody's really said that. So. No. It's okay. You can call her what you want to call her, a Kubis. <laughs> Speak, <laughs> speaking of Kubis, my quote... Ah, yes. ...is actually when he returns to the station and meets Odo. What's going on here? See for yourself. Secretary Kubis. Last I heard, you were living on Cardassia. I decided it was time to come home. Welcome back. You're under arrest. Which was delightful. I fucking love Odo so much. Yeah. Welcome back. You're under arrest. I just, I don't know, for some reason I wanted him to say, You're under arrest, sugar. <laughs> don't know why. Merry Christmas, Kubus. In jail. <laughs> Happy birthday. I'm in jail. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all for this week. Uh, next week, as I say, we're doing uh, our usual supplemental, followed by the finale of season two. We're, we're mixing it up a little. because If you're hearing this, it's too late to send us a letter. Yeah, which is which is too bad. You, you should have written. Yeah. Why don't you write? Oh. Um, but yeah, we, we're doing it a little out of order because we're doing our big Emerald City, uh, appearance, uh, March 28th, 29th, and 30th, mm-hmm. uh, at the, uh, whatever the hell it's called, Seattle Conventions. It's Emerald City, emeraldcitycomiccon.com. You can, you yeah, can you'll find, find it. Don't called. worry about it. It's in Seattle. We have a table there. We're giving away free stuff. We're selling stuff. It's, it, there'll be puppets. It's a, it's a fun time. We, yeah. we always enjoy it. A good time will be had by all. Or at least a good time will be had by Al. Yes. That's the important thing. <laughs> So look forward to that. Uh, our our friend Irish Gav will be joining us for the for the season finale. So mm-hmm. uh, we he will get his appearance in. He uh, he couldn't make it this week as promised, but but he will be here. So uh, looking forward to that. Yes. And, and with that, Matt, tell them we're leaving. See you, folks. See you, Kubis. <laughs> The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.